Hi, I'm Lucas Mack. I'm a former TV reporter, a published author, TEDx speaker, musician, advertising agency owner, and management consultant. I'm also a former Christian preacher who dedicated 15 years of my life searching for truth and love. I've done a lot of work to heal, and I'm on a mission to see the hurting get healed and the healed go out and heal others in order for all of us to experience the true love and light we desire. This podcast is me sharing my journey with you so you don't feel alone in your journey. Welcome to the Golden Rule Revolution. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Rule Revolution. I am Lucas Mack, and I am so excited that you're joining today. Today's episode is great. We, I talked to Jeff Forrester. He is an author of a book called Unleashed Potential, and you are really going to enjoy hearing his story. It's, I think it's one that everyone can resonate with. And Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. This episode, I was going to push out and air at a later date, but I moved some episodes around so that this could air today. It's very important that we all recognize the limiting beliefs and those things that hold us back so that we can step into our own power to tell our own story without fear of judgment, rejection, and just drop our walls and be vulnerable. Jeff, thank you for doing that in this episode, and everyone, enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. It, it's been a wild 2020, and we were talking last night, I was talking to Chris, and we, we spoke this morning as well, is that you know a lot of people look at 2020 as being you know, a crazy year, um, which it is. I'm not going to deny that. It's been an outstanding year for me. And I feel like, I know you would resonate with this. It's the choice that I decided that it would be. And it's been fun. It's been wild, but it's been fun. Yeah, I agree with that. It's um, Sometimes I feel bad when people are asking how things go. And I'm like, truly, I'm loving life. I'm having a great time. I'm with the family. I'm listening to my kids play more, um, hearing them laugh getting to wrestle with them, build blanket for it's all, all the things. So it's been a blessing before, you know, tied up, having to go to work, leave the house. Um, a lot of missed opportunities, but yeah, 2020 has been, it's been amazing. I won't forget it. <laughs> it's an unforgettable year for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I think last time, um, you and I did something together. It was the summit with that Chris put on. Um, and, Tell me about your journey of like where, first of all, where'd you grow up? Who, you know, give us some background of who you are and then we can get into all the cool things you're doing right now. Yeah, sure. So I was raised in North Florida in Gainesville, Florida. So home of the Gators and uh, was raised in a, a good Christian home by my mom and my dad and I have an older brother by four years. And it was, <clears throat> I would say a typical childhood in the sense of, um, you know, we, we didn't have a lot, but we had a lot of love. And I knew my parents loved me and cared for me. And my dad was a small business owner. And so because of that, he worked all the time. So where we had a good, strong relationship in the sense of, I, I know and I knew that he loved me and cared for me. He just wasn't around much mm-hmm. because he worked all the time because he had to work all the time. Yeah. So, and, and I, it's, it was one of those things that I don't think I ever resented him because I understood 
um, what, what he was doing and why he was doing it. And a lot of that came from my mom. My mom would just constantly reinforce how much he loved us. And then she would make him dinner. And then that was a big highlight for us at dinner time. We would go to the store cause we took him his dinner on his old army trays wrapped in tin foil that she had heated in the oven. And so it was one of those, I looked at it as a special time. What I did realize is that I didn't have a relationship with him because of him, him working all the time. And we had a moment, it was in fifth, sixth grade. And I hated going on field trips to water parks because I was an overweight, I was a fat kid mm. and um, bullied and, and just shamed and just all the, the things that normal happens in normal childhood. So nothing out of the ordinary, but we went on a fishing trip. She convinced him, Hey, instead of him going on this, um, field trip, why don't you take him fishing? And he never took a day off. Mm-hmm. So he took me fishing and we went out and we got in the, the John boat and it was, it was a weird and unique situation because it was like, I knew he was my dad, but I didn't know him and I didn't have a, a strong connection where we had these just chit chat like I have with my son now. And so that was one of the things that, that drove me and I think I got off of your, your question, but this is really beautiful. Yeah. A lot of that shaped me as I've gone through life. And what I didn't realize is that I didn't own that. And I did, I didn't resent it, but I was hurt and missing something. Like there was something that I just didn't get uh, because of that relationship. Well, through that, he, you know, the store, it was a toy store. So it was awesome, but I didn't get anything. So through that, he taught us valuable lessons that I, I cherish. I didn't understand them at the time. And I was frustrated is he's like, if you want a toy, you can buy it and I'll give you an employee discount, which is 25% off. I was like, I don't even get it at cost. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like, look, somebody's got to buy these things. Somebody's paying for them. And we have lights, we, you know, we have power bills and food and stuff. And I can't just give you all these things. And I look back and he could have done that because his dad withheld from him, but he knew the value that he needed to teach us with that is that nothing in life is free. So I gained so much for that. And, and through the toy store and then big box stores came. So then we shifted to hobbies and through that in high school, I would work there some. And then my senior year in high school, he was a a smoker. He was diagnosed with cancer the Wednesday before Thanksgiving on my senior year in high school. And that was the day when I started working full time because we, that was the only income we had in our family. And so my brother had moved out already. So it was me and my mom and my dad. And so she was going to be his caretaker. And so I had to now work. And so I started, I went to a small private school and they allowed me to go to school until it was time to leave to go open the store. And then I carried my schoolwork with me and I opened the store and we did that every day. And he, um, through the chemotherapy and everything that he went through, he finally, uh, a month after I graduated high school, he passed away and he had told my mom, he's like, I want to see him graduate. And he did. And that's the power of the mind and the power of the will. Here's a guy that's just eaten alive, you know, from probably, we don't really know because they stopped scanning, but every organ in his body was probably just eaten away with cancer all the way to his brain. And, and 
it was one of those things where he was fighting and fighting and fighting just to get to that. And then that was that moment when he was like, okay, I did it. I hit my goal and now it's my time. So through that, uh, my mom and I continued to run the store. And so that's where a lot of the entrepreneurial spirit that, that I had, had been laying dormant for so long. I saw the ugly side of entrepreneurship or the, not ugly side, but the, the difficult side. Yeah. No savings account, no real benefits, yeah. no vacation. All, and you know, we see on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube all this amazing things that entrepreneurs do and private jets and big cars and stacks of money everywhere and you know, going on vacations that's a small percentage of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yes. So when I got done, I, and, and through all this, Lucas, I had a fixed mindset growing up is that if it was difficult, I went the opposite direction. I wanted everything to be easy. And if something was hard, I beat myself up. I said, I'm stupid. I'm dumb. There's, you know, that's the reason why I could. Now I wasn't being reinforced with those. Those all came imagined in my brain. My mom is the most supportive person on earth, tells you all the positive. I mean, she runs positive from top to bottom. And through that, I thought, okay, I saw the difficulty of entrepreneurship, but I learned so much and it was so fulfilling and rewarding. But here's my chance. I just graduated college. I want to go get a job that somebody pays me, that I have benefits, that I have a vacation, all these things because it seemed easy. Mm -hmm. And that was one of those things that has progressed my, my whole adult life. And it's, it's interesting when you start to realize and you look back and go, man, like that, that was the sweet spot was when I had all that. It was hard. It was challenging. I made nothing, um, but it was so cool to have. And so now in reflection on that, I'm learning that's the beauty of my story was the beginning. And, and from, from then in 1997, when I graduated college up until now, it's been a progression of things that I learned from my dad and didn't really realize all those things that he had instilled in me that comes from an entrepreneurial mindset and, and what that looks like. And so, you know, you talked about the book and that's, this book, which is cool, like you said, you have one as well, is, you know, with Unleashed Potential, I started to look at the things that I've learned over the last 30 years that is helping me become a successful person. And where I look at success, it's being success for me. It's not the stacks of money. It's not the private planes, the big cars, because I'm far from that. But my definition of success has really changed. And we talked about 2020. It's really changed in 2020. The, the success for me are contained within the people that I'm making good connections with, the people that live within the four walls of this house, my mom, my brother, my other family members that because of the shutdown, I've been able to reconnect. So for me, it's that that strong connection that I'm getting that, that brings success from me or to me that before I might not have seen as well or as clear. Hmm. First of all, just 
beautiful story, brother. And, and what a, what a cool dad he had, even though hard, hard. I mean, there's no, you know, to not, it doesn't matter how, you know, for people listening, some people know my story, some people don't, but we all have our own story. Our, our, what I say is our trauma is uniquely equal to our freedom, meaning that yours is your story and not getting that emotional connection from your father, that, that deep soul connection was as traumatic as me getting beat, chased, all the things that happened in, in my life. And they're not to be compared. It's to be honored to say, hey, your, your trauma, that, that pain, that rejection was also the gift to make you the man as my pain and rejection was the gift to make me the man that we are today. And, um, and just think your dad didn't get that connection from his dad and, and, you know, his dad didn't get the connection from his dad and you broke the cycle. And, you know, what's interesting. I, I think, and I actually don't have the answer to this. I was talking to a, a man the other day who had something very similar to my experience. And he asked me, when was the first time I could breathe? And no one has ever asked me that. Although I talk about the very first time I could breathe quite a bit. So I'm sharing my story with him, And he's like, this guy's in his late sixties. He said, when was the first time you could breathe? And I was like, uh, two and a half years ago when I finally said everything I happened to me. And he's like, yep. He's like, that was when you started. That's when you basically became alive. And I, and I said, what about you? And he said, when I was 15 and a half and I beat my abuser to almost, I thought I killed him and left him in the bathtub. And, and I said, you know, it's interesting. He externalized the pain. I internalized the pain. Sounds like something you did too. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with me? Something like, and I don't know. And this leads me to what I bringing this up. I don't know what it is. And I was talking to um, my mother-in-law as a therapist and she doesn't know. She said, that's a good question. What causes some to externalize the pain versus internalize the pain? And I think, I think 2020 perhaps is those who have internalized the pain for so long have been, are the healers, are the light workers, are the cycle breakers, are the ones who took it all in. It's kind of like that death and resurrection. You know, you go into the tomb, you, you're in there and then you rise like, whoa, okay. That was gnarly, painful, dirty, ugly. And then you rise and like, Hey, we can all rise. We can all be free. We can all have that. Like your book title is, um, the unleashed, is it potential unleashed or, uh, unleashed potential, unleashed potential. Um, so I just honor your story and, and also congratulations on also breaking that cycle to have that. I see on, you know, on social media, the relationship you have with your family and it's beautiful and it's honorable. And, um, it's beautiful, brother. I just want to. Yeah, no, thank you. Well, and, and, and I, I talk about it in the book a little bit is the importance of a confidant. And you talked about having somebody that you were able just to, to unload on. And for me, it was about two and a half years ago where I had a moment on the couch with my wife. I just hit the bottom and just, it was just, I was done. And um, I just, laid it all out there because I had imagined so many times in my life what the other person's reaction would be if they heard all this stuff that I had in me 
for 40 plus years. And it was, and it, it speaks volumes to her grace and her ability to love and sickness and in health and all those things where we were sitting there. And I mean, I, Lucas, I went back to like, I was five and it was like a full blown, like everything. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd, I'd never done that. I'd gone to therapy. I had lied to therapists because I was afraid mm-hmm. what they would think. Yeah. And I was go, like, that was a mess. Yeah. And I just, I let it all out. And then she looked at me. I was like, I'm still here. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> you're not running, kicking and screaming and, right. and you're leaving. I'm, uh, you know, she's like, no, and just, and gave me a hug. And that's when I began, was able to breathe. And wow. that's what has, has helped because if we don't tap in to a tribe, if we don't tap into people around us and specifically a confidant, we can't unleash our potential. We're always going to have something that holds us back. And that's what held me back. And that's where my definition of success changed as well hmm. is, was just that moment. And I love how you said that. Cause I had not thought about that, but as soon as you said, when could you breathe yeah. that moment, it went right to that moment. And it, it was interesting. The fact that you said the exact same thing is that I, I think that we're just taught through nurture, at least I was taught through nurture is you don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. You just, you keep everything closed off yeah. and, and it'll get better. Right. And that's awful. Right. Right. <laughs> that it is, is awful. The, it's the worst thing to do. It is awful. That is, um, it's a form of, of slow death or it, and the wound that doesn't get air and, and air out and, get ointment and heal and, and tended to festers and becomes worse and infection sets in. Well, we have emotional infection in our souls right now because of all the stuffed down. Don't talk about, don't talk about it. Just, you know, smile. And, and, and I think, and I'm glad I get to talk to you about this. I think a lot of it, I know it's in every family. I think though a lot of it is perpetuated by the Christian world and why i think that is because it's what jesus loves you everything's under the blood like just god forgives you god loves like it's like this blanket over everything and you're like well what the (laughs) part of my i'm not not gonna swear now when i say this but what the (laughs) you know like i'm still dying but okay and that that's a bifurcation of our own conscious knowing as well it's like wait this doesn't align until what you said and what I've gone through and what countless people get to go through still is where unconditional love is present. Your wife created that space to provide unconditional love for you where you're still testing it. Not sure. Is it really, do you really love me? Let me tell you all the dirtiness. And she's like, yeah. And you're like, Oh, it was the same for me when I went to that emotional intelligence. Now I, I had been, on staff for Young Life, I had ran my own ministry called Roll Call Ministries. I had preached. I had been a worship leader. I had been a, I owned a marketing agency with 12 full-time employees. I had been a TV reporter. I had been an author. I was striving so hard, like crawling bloody knuckled over a broken filled of glass. That's what I, that's what I describe it. I was crawling bloody, bloody knuckled over a broken filled of glass just to 
be someone to tell me I'm okay. Like you don't have to strive me. Like you're okay the way it is. And I couldn't find that until I went to this emotional intelligence program and, and they said, say it, say it all, say it all, get it out of you for the first time in my life. And I had gone to therapists and I didn't trust therapists either because they're taking notes. I'm like, why are you taking notes? You know, (laughs) where are those notes going? And, uh, that moment of just not caring what other people think or caring more about my, our own (sighs) unpacking more than what other people think is the precipice of freedom. And that's where I really believe that when Paul writes where the spirit of the Lord is, there is Liberty, there is freedom. God is love. And so when love is present, and we feel safe enough to tell the truth and you should know the truth. The truth shall make you free. When you speak truth, you're free. We can only feel safe enough to speak truth in the presence of love. And so as leaders and as humans <laughs> creating that space of unconditional love for others and saying, I don't care. I, I don't care what you've done or what's happened to you. I will lock arms. I will stand with you. I will walk with you. I will cry with you. I will pray with you. I will sit with you. I will breathe with you. Because how can I say I'd be any different than you if I was in your shoes, right? Right. Because I'm a mess too. I'm a mess. We're all all just living. Well, and that's what's, it's incredible that once it's that vulnerability, like once you can be authentically vulnerable then that's when I, I took all my power back from everything when I let it all out because it's like, okay, you can't make fun of me anymore because I just, I just admitted to it. Yes. You can't point a finger at me anymore because that's what I've done. And, and more people need to hopefully embrace that, but then don't judge other people. My problem started with me because of my inadequacies and my low self-esteem, I judged other people. Yeah. So by me judging other people, then when I would hear them say something, I immediately went to judgment and went through that. So then if I was going to say anything, it was like, holy smokes, what would I say mm-hmm. if somebody said that to me? And that's what scared me. And so it was, it's changing me, like you said earlier, it's changing me within my own clothes has changed everything on how I see other people. Mm. And I try my best to not judge. And there's a a hilarious Geico commercial. I don't know if you've seen it. It's where the guy's trying to train people to not become like their parents. And then somebody walks by with blue hair. He's like, ignore it. It's just blue hair. Like, but it's blue hair. And, (laughs) And you sit there and you think about it is, how many of us just look immediately, yeah. see somebody with blue hair and go, whew, yeah. that must be wacky. Yeah. Well, they have blue hair. Who cares? Yeah. It's no. just hair. Yeah. I don't have any. I'd be happy <laughs> with blue hair. <laughs> but, you know, and so for me, it's, it's like once I changed me, that's what's changed everything around me. Mm. And that's what I'm hoping that, that, that this book will do is I try to be as vulnerable as I can through it. And for me, for people to really unleash their own potential, they have to write their own story. It's not a formula. It's, there are some that people put out there, like you follow these, this will, you'll be successful. For me, 
what I'm seeing with, with this book and other things that have helped me is just getting ideas of how to dig into myself. And so that's what I hope that this book does or in this podcast does and our conversation does is it encourages people to sit down and think about themselves of, okay, how can I do it my way? Mm. And I need help because <clears throat> you can't do it all alone, yeah. but I need to write my own story. And that's what I did. And it happened to happen because I got encouragement from a coach and because we all have, especially people like me with low self-esteem is that imposter syndrome is, well, nobody wants to hear from Jeff. There's 9 million books on Amazon. And what's this book from a guy in Orlando, Florida, who nobody knows, you know, just several hundred friends on Instagram that I have yeah. is like what kind of impact that it can make. And he just encouraged me. And he's like, look, everybody has a story inside them. Every, like you said, everybody has a story. Now, whether you tell it in this medium or you happen to do it on paper, <clears throat> I was fortunate enough that he coached me through and it was a, a, a fun thing to do during COVID. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had some extra time. Yeah. And it's one of those things, if people can just could ask themselves questions, find that, that space that you said is just where it's, we're all in this thing together. How can we help each other? that's when things start to happen. And that's when everybody's potential, that's when our, our nation could unleash their potential, right. face the ugly things that we, we keep trying to hide and just embrace it and say, okay, let's not do that anymore. Right. Just a lot of those things, I feel like that if people could just dig into themselves, that's where they would find the best version of themselves. Mm, that's, that's beautiful. And, and it's time it's time. It's time, you know, for how many talk about your book as far as um, what was that like putting it on paper? Was that, did you feel, I know when I started writing my book, I was scared, you know, what people would think. And I wrote mine before my healing process. So I was, I was all sorts of a mess <laughs> when I wrote that thing. And I think the book is reflected um, <laughs> by it. But uh, what was it like for you actually writing your story and putting it out there? You know, it was really neat. It was one of those processes that again, I was like, I'm not a writer. I don't know how to do it. And he broke it down. And it's funny. So the little subtitle is simple steps to be the best, best version of yourself. And it came from, mm. he provided me simple steps to write the book. Mm. And, and I think book and you, you know, I, I picture movies and people sitting down at the, their nice, you know, late cabin overlooking the water with their typewriter and they just go to town. Yeah. That's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what he helped me do is again, very reminiscent to how I like to live my life is he's like, okay, first type out a title page. Mm. I don't care if it's the title we use, just put a title. So I type a title and it wasn't the one that we ended up using. And then he's like, write down 10 chapters, just one through 10 and write the name of what each chapter is going to be. Now I had already started doing some work to, to develop some, some modules for coaching that I, I want to try to continue to pursue of, okay, how can I help people be a better professional? Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, that's your content. So build out the 10 chapters. So I built it out and he's like, call me next week. So then I call him back next week. He's like, now write four points under each chapter. I was like, okay. He's like, now start just typing. Don't edit. 
Don't let anybody read it, just type. And he set a goal, 2,500 words per chapter. If you can write 300 words per day, that should take you about 30 minutes. You can write a 25,000 word plus book in six months. So our goal was by June, well, COVID hit and I had some extra time. And it was amazing because when I sat down, just it started coming out. I mean, it was just, it was flowing. And if you're watching this, and I know you can see it in that chair where the dog's at right now is where my son would usually sit and play his iPad. Mm. And so he's 12. So he's full of wisdom. And, um, (laughs) and I'm not joking. This kid blows me away. So I got done, typed it all out and nobody had read it yet. And I turned around, I was like, I finished. I typed my book and he knew I was writing one. And he just casually looks up from his iPad. He's like, cool. He's like, you know what, dad, even if nobody buys it, you know that you did it. And I was like, there it is. That, that was, if I don't sell a copy, that was valuable for a him to tell me that, but that's going to be something that like my legacy now to him is in this book that he can always go back to because they say that my coach was saying that less than 1% of all the people who say they want to write a book ever actually write a book. Mm. And so I'm proud. I'm proud to be in one of those 1%, even though there's eight, you know, eight to 9 million books on Amazon. I'm one of them now and that can never go away. And the, the feeling of that is tremendous. And to see the pride that they have and my wife has and my mom has like, you wrote a book, you're an author. You know, it's been really neat to see, which is fulfilling for the main reason why I didn't write it to receive recognition from them. I wrote it because I felt it in my heart. I prayed about it, that this was something I, I needed to do. And then all that recognition to me is just added value to what I was already going to do because so many times in life, prior to probably two years ago, I said, I need to write a book because I want to get recognized for writing a book. And, and, and I toy with that as well of promoting the book Mm. (laughs) because, you know, I, I of course want it out there and what I'm coming to realize and I'm breaking previous agreements that I've had is I need to be proud of the effort that I put into this because I, I know it can help other people that are like me in the place that I was at that can help them overcome some of the things that, that they're battling with because my story is very similar to a lot of people. Yeah, that's right. How did your relationship with God change over the past two years when you oh growing up in that Christian world and then actually, I actually have a, I have a relationship now, Hmm. you know, because I was raised in a very conservative Southern background where you, you, in essence, there were lessons that we were taught on why everybody else is wrong. Hmm. Like we would go through and say, okay, here's this and you got to go this way. And it was a lot around the legalism of it. Were you raised in Baptist? Was it Baptist or Church of Christ? Oh, Church of Christ. Yeah. So that's yeah, which yeah. we considered Baptist liberal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I am the book somewhere. Uh, the founder of the Church of Christ. Uh, I think Joseph Campbell was his name. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The I, restoration movement. Oh, and, yeah. I know the whole the whole back. So, yeah, yeah. you were and, you were in it. Yeah. And so and I, I was like, 
you did the things that you needed to do. And I feel like, and again, it comes from my mom and my grandmother and they were, they were in it, man, their heart, that's where their heart was. And my mom, she, she literally is like one of the best people that's ever lived on this earth. Mm. She's got such a wonderful heart has always been faithful to God and, and turns to, to him for all of her needs and, and would always encourage us but nobody ever taught me to have a relationship and, and what that relationship meant. It was, you pray, this is what you say, you know, cause this is what we've always said. And then you kind of go about your merry way. And I look back and just, I mean, such a swing and a miss on my part. I'm just very thankful that I can look back and go, I'm never going back there. Hmm. Like my relationship every day gets stronger and it wasn't, like overwhelming overnight. It started literally, let's see what it, what was it? I started in the YouVersion Bible app. I was like, okay, I just want to start a daily Bible reading and I needed something mm-hmm. easy. So 921 days ago, I started my streak of just reading the pop-up daily Bible verse on the YouVersion app. Mm-hmm. And then over time, that's why just little steps can make huge impacts. Then I would get that and I would read that. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to read that before I do ever, anything else. Mm. And then it was, I'm going to read that. And then, oh, cool. They have some devotions on here. So then I would find the devotion. And then, you know what? I need to read that and I need to pray too. Let me spend a few minutes and, and pray and think about that. And it has compounded every single day to where I, I mean, most days it's anywhere between an hour and a half to an hour that I I make my coffee, I read my devotions, and I sit at the kitchen table in pitch black darkness before everybody gets up and just pray and think and meditate. And I feel the relationship. And before we even had this podcast, I was reading another daily devotion I had, and it was talking about not being double-minded in the sense of thinking properly. Don't imagine bad things that are going to happen to you. Imagine that abundance mindset. And I started praying and I'm not kidding from head to toe, just massive chills Mm. came over my body. And it was, and it was like one of those things where I just never had anything like that from a relationship perspective where I could feel it. And it's all come from and like self-development. It's not, not going to happen by chance. It's right. you know, reading Joe, um, John Ortberg with soul keeping and John Eldridge walking with God, like learning how to hear God and how to, how to find where he's at, where you're at. And I mean, it's been an incredible journey, but it didn't happen by accident. It was me being intentional about wanting to have that relationship because he's never left he's always been right there. And it was just, it took me being the prodigal son to come back and going, my bad. (laughs) I know you've been here. And it's that same thing where zero judgment. It's just, I'm just glad you're back. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, it's beautiful, really beautiful. And I knew, yeah, there, the change would come or you'd have that answer because for me, similar, um, I mean, in, in a different way, I would go out into the field. I used, I mean, I, I was a crazy person. I would fast from Sunday night to Tuesday morning, 
five years in a row, I would go out into fields, bring a towel and go pray for two hours. I was, I'd read the King James Bible seven times cover to cover in 14 years. I had, I could, I mean, I had no church of Christ. I could give you a dissertation on all denominations and their origins and the split offs and the branches and the Bible version. You know, I was just like consumed with trying to find truth and trying to find God. And then I was really, I was the most judgmental person. <laughs> I was a verbal assassin and um, everything changed when I finally hit my rock bottom four and a half years ago. And then I went through therapy for two years, which helped kind of navigate some stuff, but it wasn't until I, you know, go to this thing and I felt for the first time unconditional love from people. No one judged me. And, and um, why I brought, bring this up is I used to, think when someone says, Oh, God is love. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know it says God is love, but God is truth. God is righteousness. God is holy. God is pure. God is, but God is, blah, blah, blah. and <clears throat> I finally have realized that to find the love of God, we must know the God of love and love. Like you said, is always there. There's no judgment. Like, Hey, yeah, it's all, it's all good. <laughs> are you, are you done? Are you done running or ignoring? Like, cause it's here. Right. It's, there's no anger judgment. Of, and I think a lot of um, the Bible framework of like, God is angry is only to reflect in us where we are, not as much as where he is. Cause Malachi three, six, I am the Lord. I change not. God's never changed. He's love. He's, he speaks in love from the beginning. He speaks in love at the end. He is love. And, um, and it's just our calibration of like, are we done yet? Are we done being angry? Are we done being hurt? Are we done being beating ourselves up? Are we done playing small? Are we done with these things? Cause when we're done, we can be done, but it's, you know, it's our choice. It's like that inner work. So yeah, it's a beautiful story. And thanks for sharing, sharing that. No, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's been wild of just the, as you go through things, and I know you're very self-aware of, of your feelings. And, and there was a moment when you were talking that, that reminded me, you're talking about feelings and anger and yeah. where you're at at that moment. So right at the beginning of COVID, we were supposed to go see some friends up in Georgia. We were going to go hiking and I was really looking forward to it. It was right at spring break. And this was right when they started the stay at home order. It hadn't been all the way over. Well, it was supposed to rain too. So we're like, okay, well, if we go up there, we could hike with no problem. But if it's raining, we're going to be stuck in a hotel because things are closing already, no restaurants. And we're going to drive eight hours just to go sit in a Hampton Inn. And so I remember I was fighting it the whole time and I was, I was getting angry and I'm not an angry guy, but I was just, you know, I wasn't, fun to be around for a couple of hours. And I took the dog for a walk and I, I was concerned. I'm like, why am I acting like this? Mm. And I realized when I was out there is I was just disappointed <laughs> and I was acting like a kid, mm. a disappointed kid. And I walked the dog and I was like, man, that was pretty cool that I just figured that out because yeah. it changed everything. And I came back in, I looked at my wife and I said, look, I'm sorry. We, we don't need to go. Cause I was hearing it from my mom and her mom and her. And like, I don't think you should go. I don't think we should go. And it was just compounding. And I was just, I was pouting more and more. 
I came out and said, look, I'm sorry. I'm just really disappointed that we can't go. And I'm just not handling it very well. So just give me a little bit of time. Mm. I'm sorry. I shouldn't act this way. I'll get over it. And I did because I admitted it, but it was that self-awareness of finding me where I was at at that place where I wasn't, because I was just projecting on her and everybody around me. And that's what we do to God is when we're disappointed or we're ashamed, we're like, well, it's because of this or because of that. Just own it. It's like, I'm disappointed. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) It's like, don't get mad. Just, just tell people. And then, then that way, everybody around you is like, I get it. I understand. Cause that's what she said. She's like, I get it. I understand. I would have liked to have gone to, yeah. um, but I just started creating all this wild stuff in my head just because I was disappointed. Man. That's uh, Solomon wrote only by pride comes contention and you can call pride ego. You can call pride, you know, it has a lot of different synonyms, but that ego, when it gets hurt and it builds up, then it, your wife gets hurt and then it just builds and builds and builds, but it's through humility to say, oh, my bad, my B here's what's up, you know? <laughs> and then what does that do? It, it releases everyone's. And I have a, a quote I was thinking about, I'm going to post it again tomorrow is there is no unity without humility. And you unifying that relationship with your wife again is just you having that humility to say, huh, yeah, <laughs> yep, <laughs> me again, you know, just yeah, living, right. and just figuring things out makes, and you know, what's so cool. She probably goes, hmm, what about me again? You know, where that's that, that ripple effect, positive or negative, we're always making one. And, um, that's just a beautiful story. I'm excited about your book. I'm excited to read it. I'm going to buy a copy today. Um, tell people where they can find it, how they can follow you. Um, and everyone listening, support Brother Jeff. He's a beautiful soul. He's, a, he's an amazing man. And I'm excited uh, for everyone to go out and buy his book. Well, thank you. So the best place to find me is on Instagram. So my, my handle is Jeff and the number four Esther. So Jeff Forrester. Um, the, where you can buy the book, you can get it anywhere online where you, um, currently buy books. So Amazon, Target, Walmart, any of those places. If you'd like to buy a signed copy, um, you can reach out to, to Lucas or myself. And if you just let us know that you heard it on this podcast or this YouTube, um, I'll give you a $3 discount. So normally the signed copies are $20, which includes shipping and we'll do it for 17 for anybody that, that buys it through you. I love it. And I love that number 17. Um, that's beautiful, brother. So I'm really excited. Thank you for coming on and, and congratulations on your freedom and Thank you. unleashing Thank you. that potential that you have your potential, um, unleashed potential. Everyone go pick up a copy. Thank you, brother, for coming on. Thanks, Lucas. Appreciate you. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on and telling your story vulnerably. I think it's so inspiring to hear people when they drop their armor, take their mask off and just share from that vulnerable place. It's beautiful. So thank you. And everyone listening, please go buy a copy of Jeff's book. You can get it wherever books are sold and support this brother on his journey of making a more positive impact in the world. That's what you and I get to do today. We get to make a more positive impact in the world. And you know how we do that? 
You know, we start by doing the inner work, releasing fear, releasing all fear and receiving all love. You get to look what's in you. I was talking to a friend and I said, if you're speaking with anyone else's voice inside your head when you speak, what they would say, what they will think of what you say, you're not free. Sovereignty is having no other's narrative within. And when you speak and utter from within to without, it is your voice, your sovereignty, your command. You get to live the free life that you know deep down destined you are for. So do the inner work. Be grounded. Stay vulnerable. Release fear. Receive love. And everything is going to be okay, my brothers and sisters. Everything. Everything's going to be okay. Perfect love casts out all fear. And you know what perfect love is? Unconditional love, which is love because love is always perfect and it's always unconditional. But the infinite and unconditional love that is available for us all is going to make things okay. It is up to you and I to release fear in the now moment so that we can receive the love the love from without to within, and then from the love within, we give without. That's the model. That's the message. So be blessed today. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to speaking with you on the next episode. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for listening. For support in your journey, go to my website, lucasmack.com. <music>